and, and see who's here. Because these are the people that are going to be there for you through thick and thin, right? Through the highs, through the lows. These are the people who have been praying for you today. These are the people that have been praying for you the past couple years, maybe the last decade. These are the people that have been praying for you potentially your whole life, even before you were born, right? And I love this moment because you get to see how important it is. So many things have gone into this moment. So many prayers have been prayed. So many details have gone into that day. But we all know that the, the wedding is just that. It's a day, right? It's the marriage that then you get to step toward. The marriage is a lifetime. A lifetime of ups and downs. A, a lifetime of highs and lows. The changes, the good times, the bad, right? The adding to your family, the loss within your family. This is the, the marriage. And so with that same idea of looking around, I, I want to encourage us to look around just for a moment. No, seriously, go ahead. Look around just for a moment. You guys didn't take your eyes off me. And I want you to see the, the friendships. I want you to see the families that you're doing life with. I want you to see the people that you're holding accountable, that you're going to comfort when things are challenging, Right? that you're going to celebrate with when things are going great, right? Look around at Redeemer Church. These are the faces that we get to do life with, that the Lord has placed before us for such a time as this, right? Refocusing one another upon Christ. I don't know about you, but I'm super grateful for this season of life. Very grateful to get to share it with each of you. With that being said, let's go ahead and pray for a second. God, thank you for this evening. Thank you for an opportunity to, to talk about marriage and, and covenant and all these things, but thank you so much for an opportunity to do life with one another. God, that we get to be a part of your bride that is Redeemer Church in Eagle, Idaho. God, I ask that we would be there for one another, we would comfort one another, we would challenge one another, we would hold one another accountable. God, that we would spur one another on toward you each and every day. God, I thank you so much for every single person in these seats, um, parents, kiddos, friends, students, whatever that looks like. Um, God, I'm so grateful for everybody here. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Well, this, ladies and gentlemen, is a picture of Brittany and I when we got married, okay? Yes. Oh, I am not 12. Someone asked me, what were you, 12? Uh, I was not 12, but I did peak at that moment. Okay, <laughs> to be honest, all right, that's, that's where the Lord had us intersect, and I was, boom, and it's all been downhill. But that was us when we got married uh, 15 years ago, and this is us now. Maybe this is more what you see around the halls of Redeemer, right, with our three little boys, uh, not so little anymore, one of them. I think now this year's picture, uh, he's as tall as Brittany, but there's been a lot of change between those two pictures, um, and you haven't even had a picture of my current balding hair, right? There's been a lot of change in the 15 years. We've, we've had three boys. Uh, we had one miscarriage. We've seen five grandparents who have passed away. We've had to put down two puppies that got old, really old, right, John, one of them? Um, we... Let's see, um, moved into our first home. We got to build a home. We moved to a new state that brought with it a new home that ultimately became a house fire, a literal house fire. That was not great. 
Um, I've been on staff, and we have uh, been members at uh, three different churches, all of which have been portable uh, at one point or another, but the other two became permanent, and so there is hope for Redeemer, okay? Um, but all, all of this taking place, and not even to mention the relationship that Brittany and I have, best friends, truly loving one another more today than we did 15 years ago. All of this taking place in 15 years. I can't imagine the depths of some of the marriages in this room, right? And if those of you that have been married for just a short amount of time, hopefully uh, some of us can be an encouragement to you as you continue to chase forever. And so with that being said, I want to ask for you to participate with me, okay? If you are married, will you do me a favor and just stand up for a second? Will you stand up if you're married? I didn't say talk, I just said stand up, okay? So don't get mad when your kids start talking because you just did also. Um, so really quick, this is awesome, this is encouraging. Uh, we're going to play a little bit of the marriage game, okay? If you've been married less than six months, I want you to sit down. Look at Brendan Isaac, they're already sitting down. I want you to sit down and we're all going to go, oh, because it's so, it's so cute, okay? Um, if you have been married less than one year, go ahead and sit down. Okay, if you have been married uh, five years or less, go ahead and sit down. And these are all milestones to celebrate. I don't want you to think like, oh, Carly and Curtis are like, it's only been less than five years. No. Okay, if you have been married uh, 10 years or less, go ahead and sit down. That was a big jump there, five years, but yeah. If you've been married, uh, Brittany, we're going to have to sit down 15 years or less, go ahead and sit down. Wow. Gary, you are older than I thought. Uh, if you have been married 20 years or less, go ahead and sit down. If you've been married 25 years or less, oh, that was a big one. If you've been married 30 years or less, go ahead and sit down. 35 years or less. 40 years, oh, wow, Can, yeah, uh, Michael, Deborah, how, how long have you been married? Not that short of 50, awesome, Jackie Martin, what about you, 41, nice, Mike, Vicky, how long have you guys been married? 47. There you go, church. There are three couples to go ask all the questions, get all of the advice uh, from, from them, get all of the advice. So uh, really quick, a little bit of a, uh, a disclaimer, if you will. Last week, uh, John went over this, but I wanted to, to talk about this as we jump into this covenant series, right? The fact that if you're here today and you're single, you might be asking, what, what's in it for, for me? And he said, if you remember, he said much. Much is in it for you because these are not just topics that are for married couples. They're not just topics that are for couples, right? These are our people issues. These are God issues. And so this series will apply to you as well. And so I'm super grateful that you are, are here, okay? And maybe, maybe it'll be something to prepare you for if and when that day comes that you don't walk into marriage with blinders on. I do believe that everything we're going to cover will be applicable to you if you're married or not. 
And then even with that same heart, uh, today we're going to step into something. Uh, we're going to step into parenting, right? And, and so I also believe that wherever you find yourself in relation to, to parenting, this is going to apply as well. Maybe you are praying to become parents. Maybe you're still longing to have children. Maybe you have a, a wayward child. You're processing through the loss of a, a child. Or maybe you're looking back, wishing things looked a little bit different. Or whatever the scenario is, please know that the Lord is walking those same paths with you this evening. And, and my heart is not to make things more challenging for you. My heart is for you. Please, please know that. But please press in. I, I promise this is going to help all of us grow in our faith, right? Whether you're married, whether you have kids, whether your kids are out of the house, this is going to be something that's going to challenge all of us in our faith in Christ. And so as I, as I thought about covering this topic of parenting during a marriage series, there were two questions that came to my mind. The first one was why? Why in the world are we covering parenting during a marriage series? And the answer is uh, because we believe that parenting plays a large role in your marriage. And your marriage is one of the best gifts you can give your children. Your marriage is absolutely one of the best gifts that you can give your children. Right? Do you talk about marriage with your kids? Because you probably should. Is your marriage worth modeling for your kids? Hopefully it is. And if, if you would say, no, it's not, then let today be a day where it becomes something worth modeling. Right? Dads, if you think about, are, are you the type of husband you would want your daughter to marry? Moms, are you the type of wife you would long for your son to find? All right, so my question of why would we do this? It's a great gift to give to our children. My second question is now? Are we really ready to jump into parenting in this series through marriage? And, and honestly, the answer is no. We're not ready to jump into it. But then again, were you ready to jump into parenting when you became a parent? Or were you like me saying, oh my goodness, here we are. Let's figure this thing out, right? I'm not quite ready, but here we go. Okay, it's kind of like that. Here we are, week two of Covenant. We have a family service, so we are jumping into parenting. Now, parenting has been one of the most rewarding and most challenging things that Brittany and I have done, right? Experiencing some of the highest of highs and the lowest of lows on this journey, but I wouldn't change it at all. As I was preparing for this message, I found myself looking back to February 18th, 2014. And you might say, what is so significant about February 18th, 2014? And the answer for you is nothing. This was just the date at the top of the letter that I had written. I just happened to write it on February 18th, 2014, okay? What happened was our church, we were challenged to write a letter to our family. And so I took it serious, and that week I wrote a letter to my family. And it was a little bit awkward because it was during my lunch break and I was crying at my computer. So if anybody was walking by, they see me crying. But nobody stopped because they probably just thought that was normal for Travis. Okay? But this was a, a letter that was written to a wife of six years. This was a letter that was written to a boy who was almost four. A boy that knew two words, ball and data. So if you wonder who Reese loves more, Brittany, now you know. Okay? And this was lit, letter was written to a boy who had yet to leave the womb. That's who this letter was written to in 2014. And so I thought to myself, man, so much has changed since I wrote this letter. And yet as I read it, nothing has changed. As the letter went on, what I was reading was, this is what's most important in life, boys, is Jesus and a personal relationship with him. 
And this is what your mother and I have given our lives to, and this is what we hope you will give your life to as well. So after reading this letter, nothing has changed since 2014. And I told a a friend, a very close friend, used to be a close friend, that I was preaching this week. And he made fun of me. That's why he's not as close of a friend anymore, okay? He said, oh, of course you're talking about parenting. You're going to cry. And he wasn't trying to be mean. He was just being honest. You're going to cry. And so another great friend, Danielle, gave me a whole box of tissues today. But here's the kicker. If you want to see me cry, allow me to encourage you through exhortation, right, a, a spiritual gift because I feel like maybe you need to hear it. The Lord wants you to hear it. Allow me to encourage you and you're going to see me cry. You want to see me cry, allow me to talk about the church and the fact that the Lord allows us to be a part of what he's doing on the earth. Or you want to see me cry, allow me to talk about my family and I'm going to cry. But it's not even my fault, it's John's fault because he asked me to preach this. So you can't get mad at me, you got to get mad at him, okay? And to be honest, I don't, I don't cry so that you'll notice. I don't cry so that you'll do something or feel something. I cry because it, it means something to me. And I think it means something to the Lord as well, right? It's, it's emotion. It's passion. It's gratitude. It's those sort of things. And I don't just cry up here on this stage. It's not the lights that get me, right? I cry in a personal relationship with you because I think it really does matter. And parenting is one of those categories that it really does matter, And so as I thought about parenting, I I was overwhelmed with what I should say, right? What am I going to talk about? There's so many things to talk about. I'm not an expert in parenting. I don't have the time to cover all the things. I don't know all the things. And the things that I do know, I'm not very good at, right? So what am I going to share with regards to parenting? I don't have a perfect little answer for you. And so my hope tonight is to refocus our hearts into parenting that honors the Lord. That's the title of the message, Parenting That Honors the Lord. That's what I want to do, right? You can go read the books, and you should. You should go take the classes, right? Maybe that's something. You can glean from others, and you should. You should ask the question of, what, what do I do with this? And you should. That's the job. That's the role. That's your responsibility, Raising your children, parenting your family, that's your responsibility. But we as a church do want to come alongside and encourage one another. And so like I said, tonight is just going to be a, a refocus upon that. I'm, I'm not an expert in parenting, but my hope is that our hearts would be shepherded by Christ. And so with that being said, just last week, I got to spend some time in Redeemer Kids. Uh, first service, I got to hang out with the fourth and fifth grade girls and, and do our craft, all right? So we took a black piece of paper and we wrote on it with white uh, crayon, right? And so really quick, these, these were the girls. I don't know if, if Riley's in here. Riley, are you, in, are you in here? You're sitting in the back. Your dad made you sit in the back? Yeah, I, yeah, I know that wasn't you. That was probably your dad. Lexi, where's Lexi Dodge? Are you in here? Also in the back, okay. Is Avery in here? Brooklyn in here? I think Brooklyn's servant. Isabella Bisbee, are you in here? Okay. Those, those, yes, those were my, that was my group of girls that we were doing craft together, right? Phenomenal young women that you're raising. Phenomenal, right? The lights. We talked about it. Anyway, and here's what happened. We wrote this uh, memory verse down. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 32. You shall be careful, therefore, to do as the Lord your God has commanded you. You shall not turn aside to the right hand or to the left. 
And so we, we wrote this down, and Riley said to me, she said, you need to talk about that next time you preach. And I chuckled, and I said, next time I preach is next week, and you're going to be in there. You don't even know what you're saying, right? So thank you, Riley, for encouraging me uh, to share that passage. And it actually made me think about what have we been commanded to do within parenting. And so this, this question actually brought up two passages that we reference during child dedications here at Redeemer, right? And understanding something profound. There was a pastor that, that said it before, and I, I love it. Said this, parenting is presenting the Lord to your children and presenting your children to the Lord. Parenting is presenting the Lord to your children and presenting your children to the Lord. And, and we cover this with child dedications. Here are a few pictures. There have been 18 children that we've been able to dedicate to the Lord as a church in the past year. 18 different kiddos, different families that have prayed for these children, different families that we as a church body have prayed for, have lifted up, have said we're going to be there to encourage them. Right? And we talk about in child dedication a, a command that Moses gave to the Israelites. And we talk about a woman named Hannah who dedicated her child Samuel to the Lord. Right, and this is something that our family has participated in as well. I think I have a picture of, of our boys as they were being dedicated also to the Lord. I don't know if, if it's up there. Um, there you go. You see Jace's bald little head. That's how you know he's my kid. Um, that's the one right here, right? Uh, Reese, he's, I think Brittany's squeezing him too hard. And then uh, up here, this is when Cade was dedicated to the Lord, and you can see just how excited his older brothers are. But something we did as well, right? And so while this, this message is specifically for those families, it's really a message for all of us who are parents, all of us who are aunts and uncles and coaches and mentors and, and spiritual parents and spiritual mentors, followers of, of Christ, even if we find ourselves without children of our own this evening. Right, so this first section of presenting the Lord to your children, I want to look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. Moses says this, he says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Now this is something that is probably familiar to many of us in the room. This is the Shema. This is the most important prayer for a Jewish person. This is something that they pray through every single day. And Shema is just the, the word here, okay? So don't overcomplicate things there. But this, this prayer is actually so important. It's something that Jesus uses in Mark chapter 12 when he is answering the question of what is the greatest commandment. Now, really, uh, quick question, Redeemer Youth, to put you on the spot, can anybody tell me what the greatest commandment is? What do you think? What do you got? Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, is there another part to that too? What do you think? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, with all your strength, right? That's what Jesus says in Mark chapter 12. And then the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, just like you talked about. There is no other commandment greater than these. And what's so cool about this is Jesus doesn't do away with the Ten Commandments and give you the two commandments. He takes the Ten Commandments and puts them into the two, right? The first four 
commandments of the Ten Commandments have to do with your relationship with you and the Lord. The next six have to do with your relationship with you and others, right? So Jesus takes the ten and says, here they are, these two. Love God and love others, right? Now, the Shema is a, a great reminder of the one true God, but it's also a formula for how we are to present the Lord to our children. And that's what I want to walk through this evening, okay? First piece of it is this. Share your experience. Share your experience with your children. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might, right? Everything that you have, what has been your experience? And if you think about this in, in context of Deuteronomy, right, if, if a, a child in that day was to ask their, their parents, what's your experience been? Well, they, they might have said, well, we were, we were slaves in Egypt, right? And, and, and the Lord brought a deliverer in Moses. And there were these plagues. There were 10 different plagues as we were leaving Egypt, right? And the last plague was the, the plague of the, the, the death angel, right? Well, mom, dad, what, what was that? Tell me about that. Well, here was the deal. The, the death angel was going to come, but if, if you had sacrificed a lamb and had taken the blood of the lamb and, and put it on the doorpost of our home, then the death angel would pass over our home. But if you hadn't done that, the death angel would come into your home and the firstborn child of your family would be taken. And, and really quick, look at your older brother. He's still here. We believed God. That was our experience. The Pharaoh let us go, and, and then we walked through the Red Sea on dry ground because the Lord had parted the Red Sea, right? Do you see them talking about their experience? That's what we should do, share our experience. And when we talk about this sacrifice of a, a lamb, right, and, and the blood being spread over the doorposts of our home, we understand that to even a, a greater magnitude today, right, that we can't be in covenant with God without the forgiveness of sins, and that doesn't take place without the shedding of blood, right? And the shedding of blood was Jesus's blood. And because of what he's done, that blood has been poured over the doorposts of my heart so I can be in relationship with God, right? And so you begin to share your experience and your kids, right? We, we sin, son. We sin, daughter, to which they will say, I know you sin, right? Really quick, kids, have, have you ever seen your parents get pulled over by the cops for speeding? Yeah, they know. Okay, we, we can go back to New Mexico. My children were one, three, and five, and I got pulled over on a road. If we go on that road, my boys pointed out, Dad, this is where you got pulled over. And so I stopped the car, and I say, get out, right? And I keep going. No, they know. They know that you sin, Right? And so it's that, well, since we sin, how do we get to heaven? And you say, it's because of what Jesus has done. This has been my experience, right? And they say, well, when did, when did you learn this? And you begin to share your story. And maybe just maybe your child gives their life to the Lord as well. Because they realize this isn't just some random thought. This is something you've thought through. This is something you've processed through, right? It's important that we share the Lord from our experience, Right? You, you can share, but if it's apart from an experience, you're going to share morality with them. You're going to share how to follow rules. You're not going to share with them a savior. Right? And so that, that begs the question tonight for you parents, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? Because if you don't, then you can't lead your child toward Christ in that way. Right? That's what leadership is. It's, it's the experience. If I were to take you on a hike 
I would be leading you on the hike if, if one of two things were present. If I was out in front of you or if I had been on that path before. If I was not out in front of you or I had not been on that path before, then I'm not leading you on that hike. Does that make sense? It's important that you share from your own personal experience. And so if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, my, my prayer is that tonight would be the night that you would give your life to Christ. I, I can't imagine leading this family without the Holy Spirit living inside of me, leading me and guiding me. And I pray that you would know that as well. So share from your experience. The second piece of this is share the hope in your heart. Share the hope in your heart. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Don't let it just be something you experienced at one point in your life, right? Let your heart be drawn to Christ each and every day. Do you hope for time with Christ? Do you hope for the Holy Spirit to lead you in conversations? Do you hope for the resurrection one day? Share this hope that's in your heart with your family. Now, to be clear this evening, your children know your hearts. They, they know if something's important to us or not. Unfortunately, sometimes they actually view themselves through that same filter. Right? Luke, Luke 6 says this, The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. The evil person out of the evil treasure produces evil. But out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. They, they know our hearts because they hear our words. Right? They hear what comes out of our mouth. They hear what we talk about. They know our hearts because they know where we spend our money. They know where we spend our time. They know who we spend our time with. Right? Trust me, your children know your heart. At times, they might know your heart better than you might know your heart in that moment. But don't let this drag you down. There's a positive side to this as well. Our children know our hearts as they see us in worship a few moments ago. Looking over to the side. Look at mom. She's raising her hand. Look at dad. He's, he's closing his eyes and he's singing. I never, I never hear him sing. This looks different. His heart must be for this whole worship thing. Right? They, they see your heart as you study God's word. They see your heart as you make it a point to gather together with other believers on a Sunday evening when it's already dark out and your three and five football team is playing right now. Right? Woo! Anyway, they see this. They see your heart. Right? And as they do this, they, they begin to see that our, our parents that are living in 2023 Idaho seem to really care about the Bible. And they seem to really care about the Jesus of the Bible. And it seems as though they want me to really care about the Jesus of the Bible. Children, yes, your parents really do care about the Bible. They really do care about the Jesus of the Bible, and they want you to care about him as well. Right? That's what it is. They see your heart. Your children, my children, are watching. Right? We have to impress godly and biblical things in parenting, not just as something we've picked up along the way, but truths that we believe that are overflowing from our hearts. So share your experience, share the hope in your heart, and the next part, share with diligence. Share with diligence. Shall teach them diligently to your children. Shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Right, and I'm glad that we are reading from the ESV because it says to teach them diligently. 
the NIV says, impress them on. And unfortunately, I think there is some misunderstanding sometimes as we read this scripture and we, we seek just to impress our children, right? Too many people are parenting like this where they are trying to impress their children. And to be honest, it's foolish. One, you're fooling yourself if you think your children are impressed with you. That's not the case. They're not impressed with you. There's nothing impressive about you to your children, unless you have littles that think you are still the hero, or you have adult children that have come around to see your steadfastness in parenting. But if you're in that middle category that's like five years old to 35 years old, (laughs) they're not impressed with us, right? And secondly, what are we impressing them with? Because chances are we're going to have to change what it is in this season, use something different in that season. That's no longer impressive, so let's do this. And whatever it is, I promise it's going to pale in comparison to a life that God desires. Right? We're not called to impress our children. We're called to impress things upon them, to diligently teach them, as the ESV puts it. Right? Even in 2023, when it seems like the majority of families aren't doing this, when it seems as though culture has moved away from this, continue to teach them the commands of the Lord. You as a parent do not answer to culture. You answer to God. What does he want for these children? And that's what you need to step into. So be diligent and don't take any of these moments for granted. Right? It's important that we present the Lord to our children. Well, it's also important that we present our children to the Lord. And that's the the part of child dedication ceremony that I want to get to now. And as we go through this this part, there aren't any fill-in-the-blanks. There's a couple lines for notes as you can write something down if the Lord lays it on your heart. But I don't want you to look at this as a a formula. I want you to look at this as, as an example, right? Hannah sets an example for us in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Now, to kind of recap that, there is this man named Elkanah, and he has two wives. Now, children in here, Redeemer youth in here, that's not God's design for your life. That's not God's best for your life. If you hear anything from tonight while you're messing around, don't have two wives, okay? One wife, all right, that will be more than enough. Um, (laughs) I love you. Um, Anyway, he has two wives. One of them, her name is Penina, and she is able to have kids, and his other wife, Hannah, is not able to. Well, when Elkanah would go to sacrifice, he would give a portion to Penina, and to Hannah, he would give a double portion. And Penina used to provoke Hannah because Hannah could not have any children and likely because Elkanah loved her more. Well, Penina's provoking led Hannah uh, to be so sad that she did not eat. But more importantly, it it led her to actually pursue the Lord and seek the Lord in prayer. Well, Elkanah, the husband, in true manly fashion, uh, trying to comfort her, he says this. He says, Hannah, why do you weep? And why don't you eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not worth more to you than ten sons? Now, we don't know Hannah's response. We don't have it written in Scripture. We know her response, don't we? What's the answer? No. (laughs) No, you're not more important to me than ten sons. All right, Elkanah, just get out of here, okay? Well, this biblical event goes further, and we see that Hannah's praying to the Lord for a child and, and praying that if the Lord were to give her a child, that she would, in turn, dedicate this child to the Lord. And Eli the priest sees her. They have this conversation, and he blesses her by saying that what she has asked the Lord will, will do. 
And so sure enough, she, she leaves. She gives birth to a baby. She names him Samuel. And after a few years of, of nursing him and taking care of him, likely around three to four years old, uh, she ends up taking him back to Eli the priest, and she gives Samuel to the service of the Lord. And throughout Samuel's life and his obedience to the Lord, he later becomes a judge, he becomes a prophet, he becomes a, a priest, and he's even mentioned in the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11. And, and when I think about the story, I think about how Hannah took very serious the responsibility of, of parenting and, and the, the sheer gift that children are. She had a desire to have a child. And we, we get this. This is a very natural desire. This is a God-given desire. And some of us have been given this desire. And some of us in here have not been given this desire. But don't let that discourage you from following the Lord. Rather, allow that to pull you into a deeper relationship with him, knowing that he knows what he's doing. Right? I, I don't say this without compassion, if that's where you find yourself this evening. I merely say this to encourage you to refocus. Right? God is love, and he loves you. He's not forgotten about you. Don't, don't forget that. He knows what he's doing. Hannah has this desire, and God gives her the desire. She takes serious this, this role to prepare him, and then she gives him over to the Lord. It says this in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 26. She said, O oh my Lord, speaking to Eli, as you live, my Lord, I am the woman who was standing here in your presence, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. And to be honest with you guys, this evening, there, there might be times where you feel this. There might be times of fatigue of that three to four-year-old where you say, you know what, I'm ready. I'm ready to take this child to the priest. I'm ready to bring this three-year-old, this four-year-old. John, here you go, right? In fatigue, we might, we might joke about that. But to be honest, I can't imagine. I can't imagine what this would have looked like. Because at this point, you've spent time with this child. You've gotten to know them. You've raised them. You know the color of their eyes. You've seen the wonderful traits that they've gotten from you. You've seen the terrible things that clearly are from your spouse. <laughs> I'm kidding. I can't imagine what this must have been like for Hannah. It's so different. It's so noble. It's so challenging. It's so different than what everyone else is doing. That's the point. It's supposed to look different than what everyone else is doing. Your parenting is supposed to be different than what everyone else is doing. Proverbs 22 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Right? We're meant to train them up. We're meant to instruct their hearts to prepare them to carry the faith. We're meant to have their eternity in focus constantly, remembering that they are a gift from God. Right? Prepare them for this. Give them into the care of the Lord, knowing that he loves them more than you will ever love them. Begin to be prayerful over what he wants for their lives. And as he shows you, prepare them. Right? And chances are it might look different than your thoughts. It might look different than the American dream that's down the road or in the neighborhood. 
and it should. As, as Redeemer was being planted, uh, I, I share this illustration communicating our lives with Christ. This idea that when I was 12, I gave my life to Christ, right? And it was as if I, I wrote my name on a blank piece of paper and I gave it to Jesus and I said, you fill it in. That's what it is. Kids, students, if you've given your life to Christ, that's, you, you've signed a piece of paper and you've given it to the Lord and you said, you fill it in. You're the boss of my life. You get to choose what my life looks like. Right? And, and that's been a reminder for me. It's been a sobering reminder in this past year that he gets to choose. I've given my life to him. Our parenting should look similar. That we should write the, the name of our children on a piece of paper and say, Lord, you fill it in. I have hopes. I have dreams. I have desires. But I want for their life what you want. You pick where they go. You pick what they do. You pick who they marry. And you help my heart align with your heart, God. Right? And who knows? Maybe just maybe your kids will come to write their name on that piece of paper as well the day that they give their life to the Lord. These pictures I want to show you are three of my favorite pictures of my whole life. These are days, no tears have fallen yet, okay? These are days where my, my boys have told the world that they love Jesus, that their lives belong to him, right? They've given their lives to him and they want everyone to know. Hold them accountable in that, right? And prayerfully, hopefully you get to celebrate these moments one day as well. Right? We have to remember to present our children to the Lord. Hannah shows us a, a great example of what that looks like. One that I need to get better at. One that my boys need to understand. This is my heart as well. This is my goal as your father as well. Now with all this being said, I know that we're all going to step toward this. We're all going to do better with this as parents. What I want to do is I want to actually chat with you that are children in here for a second. Okay? Tate, I guess that counts for you too. Because you're kind of a your, your parents are here too. So. Uh, but kiddos in here, really quick, I, I want to challenge you to step toward this with your parents, right? I, I want you to, to understand what the Lord requires of you. This, re, this is for all of us, but really, kids, I want you to press in right here. Ephesians chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right, I, Kids, I want you to encourage you to, to step under the authority of your parents. They're wanting to teach you and set you up for success. Respect them. Honor them. Know that stepping under their authority is a good thing because they are stepping under authority as well. They're stepping under the authority of the Lord. Right? Are, are they going to be perfect? No. But they're the perfect parents for you. Are you going to be a perfect kid? No. But you're the perfect kid for them. Right? The Lord does not make mistakes. So let's take this serious. This is a big deal. Right? Parents, we have great power and great responsibility because the Lord has created our children with their hearts turned toward ours. Right? If, if we want them to respect our authority and honor us, we need to make sure that we remember that the Lord is expecting us to honor him and respect his authority as well. 
And so let's present the Lord to our children and present our children to the Lord. Right? There are, there are going to be consequences for what we do with this topic of parenting. And consequences are not just bad, right? There are good consequences. There are bad consequences. Okay? Spend some time in Proverbs and you'll see that. You'll see the good and the bad both there. I don't want to tell you how to parent. What I want to do is encourage you to just step, step into it. Right? Pray about what it looks like to parent. Pray with your spouse. Talk with your spouse about what that looks like for you guys and your family. Right? But encourage your children to understand consequences. Okay? If I allow my children, boys, to be little turds and I do nothing about it, guess what's going to happen when you get a job and you've not understood authority, you've not understood honor and respect, you're going to be a little turd and you're going to get fired. That's what's going to happen. And it might be your fault, but it might be mine too because I didn't teach you what it looks like. Consequences, right? What about placing hard things before your kids, right? Giving them something hard to work on, to work through, not bailing them out every moment, right? So then when the stresses of life come, they know I can do this. I've done hard things. I can do this. My mom's not here. My dad's not here. That's okay. I've got this. They put some hard things before me, and they let me work through this stuff. Right? Consequences are not bad, kids. The, the definition is a result or effect of an action or condition. There can be positive consequences. There can be negative consequences. And, and one of our jobs as parents are to show both sides of that to our kids. And so, kids, I want to encourage you, step under the authority of your parents because they love you, they want to present the Lord to you, and they want to present you to the Lord, right? And they're stepping under God's authority. So as we close, you might be saying, you know what, that, that's great, but how do I do this? Is there anything that's applicable to me this evening? And I'm glad you asked because I have a few things just to share with you, okay? Some ways that we can step toward this. Write them down, maybe try one this week. Maybe you're already doing great at one. These are just ideas, okay? First one is this, to pray. Begin with prayer. Be constant in prayer. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in this. I've shared this before, but there was a gentleman at Foundry. His children have grown, and they're out of the house. And he said, my greatest source of influence in their lives is through prayer. And I thought that's absolutely true for him. And that will be true for me one day as well. And then my second thought was, that's true for me today. Even though my children are still in my house, my greatest source of influence is through prayer. I need to pray more than I ever have from this moment on. Pray. Second idea is to write a letter to your family, as I did. I'm not saying journal, because that's a whole other discipline that is very, very hard to perfect. What I'm saying is spend time writing and working through what you would say to them. You might be amazed at the clarity that begins to be written on that paper, right? And, and, and then here in a couple of years, you'll be able to look back and see all the Lord has done. The third idea, you've heard this before, but love is spelled T-I-M-E, time. I want to encourage you to begin reworking your schedules to provide more time with your children. Maybe this week you go to a ball game. Maybe this week you, you pick them up for lunch. You, you take them out of class a little bit early. You might bring them back a little bit late, and it's okay. You're their parent. Take them to lunch. Have some meaningful conversations with that. Maybe you build a fort with them in the living room. 
Because you know what? They're not a child of the 80s or the 90s. They don't understand the things that we understand. They haven't had to deal with boredom. They don't know how to build forts. They don't know how to jump bikes off of curbs. They don't know how to run down a hill in the forest just because. Well, you could hit a tree or you could trip over a root. Yeah, and that's why I'm doing it. Because it's fun, right? Build a fort with them. Teach them how to build a fort. Maybe, maybe you go with your, your daughter and you go for a walk on the green belt this week. You go walk with her as she pushes your grandchild. Right? I don't know what it looks like. Spend some time with your child. This to me makes sense in the idea of baseball, right? How, how do you win a baseball game, kids? Anybody in here? You, runs, right? You have to score more runs than the other team, yes? How do you score a run? What do, you, what do you got? How do you score a run? Yep. Got to hit the ball. You got to get around the bases, right? Got to get around the bases, right? And then you score a run. And if you score more runs than the other team, then you win the game, right? And, and the number one thing that comes to mind for me if we want to score runs is the long ball, right? The home run. That's what's nice. Home runs. Okay, that's not the most common way that runs are scored. I don't know if you've ever been to a Little League game. It's called walks, okay? No, that's not the most common way. <laughs> But we think about home runs, and you think about home runs with your parenting, when really we should be focused on consistent singles, walks, singles, a stolen base, maybe a double. That's how we're going to score runs. Right? A big trip to Disneyland will be great, don't get me wrong. But little consistent singles where you show up and you do bedtime, you show up and you have a meal around the table, Right? You, you have a Bible study, you have a movie night, you have a game night. Those consistent singles are going to score runs. Love is spelled time, right? Spend time with them. Next one, wrestle with your parenting. When people say that they're wrestling with something, I like to tell them to continue to do this. Embrace the wrestle. If you're wrestling with it, then chances are it's getting better. You need to be worried if you're not wrestling with it because if you're not wrestling with it, chances are it's not going that well. So embrace the wrestle. It's worth it. Your children are worth it. And lastly, I want you to evaluate your life. Evaluate your life. And parenting is going to naturally fall in line here. Right? What does it look like? What are areas I can grow in? What am I good at? What do they need? Right? As, as you evaluate your life, I want you to do two things. I want you to eliminate what's not important. And I want you to elevate what is. Are my hobbies important? Yes or no. Are my shows important? Yes or no. Is my job important? Is this friend group important? Is that event important? Right? You will very quickly see just how important your family is and how intentional you must become with them. And oftentimes we look at this as good versus bad, but really it needs to be good versus great. This is good this is great, and that's what I'm going to chase after. Your family is great. Your spouse is great. Your faith is great. Your parenting is great. Chase after those things. Parenting is presenting the Lord to our children and presenting our children to the Lord. May we do that each and every day. Let me pray for us. God, thank you for this evening. Thank you for the chance just to step into parenting regardless of where we find ourselves, praying to be parents, longing to be parents, having been parents for a, a long time, God, and everything in 
between. God, I ask that you would lead us and guide us into ways that we can share our experience, ways that we can share the hope that's in our heart, ways that we can be diligent to share. And God, how we might be able to present them to you, point them to you, ask what do you want for their life? And God, lead us in the ways in which we should, should lead them. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. What we're going to do right now is we're actually going to take communion during our family service. And parents, this might be the first time that your kiddos get to take communion. And what better way than get to do it right there next to you is you get to lead them through it. And kids in here, if this is your first time taking communion or you need a reminder of of what this means, we as followers of Jesus are told to do this uh, in remembrance of what Jesus has done for us. Remembering how he sacrificed himself for us. Remembering that he took our, our sin upon himself and he provided a way for us to spend eternity in heaven with God. We're told to do this through eating bread and drinking juice. These are called the elements. And so at this time, the ushers are going to go ahead and come forward and they're going to get the elements and they're going to begin to pass them around the auditorium. And as they do this, I want to remind us of Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 11, where he tells us that we're meant to examine ourselves and step into this this moment of worship and remembrance. And so as believers... I wanna encourage all of us to spend a few moments before the Lord, remembering his sacrifice, remembering that he's going to return again, confessing our sins to him and asking forgiveness in this moment. So go ahead and spend a few moments doing that, that now.
had a meal with his disciples. And during that meal, uh, this is what takes place. The Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Go ahead and take the, the bread at this time. says in the same way also he took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me go ahead and take the juice for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup proclaim the Lord's death until he comes let's pray we come to you now by the power of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us because of the victorious work of Christ on the cross. God, we thank you for his sacrifice. We remember it in this moment. We ask that you would lead us and guide us now as we continue to worship you. Amen. <laughs>